Sometimes you might feel like nobody gets you or you're the only one that's struggling with fear of using your voice or captivating the room, commanding, making an impact and influencing people the way that you want. That's one of the things that I love so much about the groups that I do is that people see that they're not the only one, that there's actually a whole lot of people that want to make a bigger impact. There's no doubt in my mind that you learn in a group and you learn from watching others be coached in things that you need to work on yourself. And that's why I love doing these live coaching sessions. Haven't done one in a while, but that's what I've got for you today. A very, very in-depth coaching that I know you're going to be profoundly moved by. I think you're going to like this episode and I don't want you to miss a minute. Welcome to Captivate the Room with your host, internationally known voice expert, Tracy Goodwin, an award-winning speaker who has taught hundreds around the globe to make a big impact with their voice. This podcast is for anyone who wants to step onto a bigger stage, make a bigger impact, and have a voice that makes people listen. Presentation matters, and the voice is the missing link. Join in and you'll see why. Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Tracy Goodwin, and I'm so glad to have you with me today as always. Thank you so much for your shares and your downloads and for being a subscriber. I love being on this voice journey with you and happy 2020. What a cool year, 2020. You know, I remember when we had Y2K, the year in 1999, the year 2000. I remember it like it was yesterday. And all of us were kind of afraid that the world was going to end. And it didn't. And here we are 20 years later. Look at what we've accomplished in 20 years. It's really amazing. Just in technology alone. Well, I've got a great episode for you today. I know you all loved it when I did those coaching, live coaching sessions, and I've got a really good one today with a woman named Lilak. And I think you're going to love what we work on. But very quickly, I want to let you know, I, I threw in this crazy last minute project because I felt so led to, so led to help you kick off 2020 really reaching your voice goals. You know, I did that episode that in the last episode of 2019 about voice goals. And so I'm doing a boot camp, three weeks, two meetings a week. So exciting. Get your voice where it needs to be to head into 2020. You can find out more about it over on the website. Just go to captivatetheroom.com click on the work with me tab or go to www.captivatetheroom.com forward slash camp. And what I'm going to do is full psychology of the voice effect. What's your driver? What's the habit? What did it leave behind? Move it out. What are the masks? How are we processing you? I just did a case study on a man that I'm working with. I'm not even finished working with him. We really just started. And, you know, when I talk, I'll probably talk about this forever. When Amelia was on the show, we talked about data and research and quantifying things. And that's something that I've 
kind of struggled with, not for any other reason than I haven't slowed down long enough to write some case studies about it and really follow it and really be able to pinpoint exact statistics in what this work does. And I'm doing it now and I've got a guy, he didn't even know he needed me, okay? Already incredibly successful, a sales machine. Well, what we've already found out in three sessions is his work has exponentially changed because of the voice work he's doing. He's landing deals, more deals, bigger deals, faster, like almost instant, like in the first call, effortlessly. And he attributes all of it to what we're doing from a vocal perspective. And that's what is so, I think, important about this work is that a lot of people don't even realize they need it. It is so next level. And it can significantly change time, money, relationships. I've got other people I'm working with right now that I'm watching data on that I'll be doing case studies on. Big executives, they're saving time. 10 minutes or more per meeting because when they speak, it is crystal clear what they want to happen and people are moved to take those actions. So really exciting stuff. I'm going to have a lot of quantifiable evidence for you in 2020, but I wanted to roll this boot camp out. I don't know, you know, my my corporate calendar is so full this year. I don't know how often I'm going to get to do my own groups. So I'm going to do this one and then we'll just have to see from there, but it's three weeks. Get what you need, get in, get out. I hope that you will join me. We start end of January, 1st of February. So get over there and sign up now. Space is limited. Okay, so now I've got another live coaching session for you. This one was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. And I think you're gonna love what we uncover in our time together. So let's head on over to the show. Now, I know how much you guys are enjoying me doing these, I don't know, I guess I'm calling them coaching sessions here online. I'm getting so much positive feedback and I've had so many great volunteers that want to come on the show and and have me analyze their voice and and f- kind of fix whatever the biggest issue is. And I'm super excited about my guest today because she's in a very complimentary field to the work that I do. So I'm fascinated that she's fascinated with this work. And so it's going to be really interesting to see what we discover today. But with me on the show today, now I hope I get this name right, is Dr. Lilich Saperstein. Did I get it right? Yeah. Oh, great. Welcome to the show. I'm so glad to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. So what we're going to do today is I'm going to just have you talk a little bit and I'm just going to, you know, do, I know it's weird. It's like, don't do anything special, even though I'm analyzing every single sound that comes out of your mouth. But just, I'm going to have you talk to us a little bit. I'm going to write down some thoughts. I'm going to tell you what I think I hear. And then I'm going to fix the biggest issue. Okay. Great. So just tell us a little bit about yourself, your work, what you do, whatever you'd like to tell us. Sure. So I am an audiologist. And what I do is I test hearing. And I'm, I'm familiar with what you're saying, where 
Um, I'll bring someone into the booth and tell them, okay, here's how the hearing test goes. Just raise your hand every time you hear a beep and everyone gets a little bit nervous. Am I going to hear it? Am I getting it right? Did I hear a sound? Am I making it up? So I'm analyzing people on the other side of the glass on that. So I get what you're saying. Um, I, my background is in educational audiology. So working with children in schools, children who have hearing loss and other communication issues. Um, and I worked in a school for the deaf in Brooklyn. I was in charge of everybody's devices and making sure that everyone had batteries, if anything was broken, things like that. But more importantly, I was part of the team that was really trying to support each child with their goals, with their needs. And it was very important for me being part of the interdisciplinary team and meeting with parents was just my favorite part of, of, the, of the week, anytime we had meetings. And I realized that what I really love to do more than anything in the job is explaining to parents, um, answering their questions and going through what is the implications of the diagnosis and you know, how can they support their child? What can they do to be the best advocate? Because you know, the professionals are there to, to do whatever they can. But at the end of the day is the parents who are with their child at all, you know, they're, they're the ones, they're the real, the real MVPs. So I started a podcast. It's the all about audiology podcast. And the goal of the show is to educate and empower parents of children with hearing loss through their journey. And every week it's a different topic. I bring on guests and think, thankfully have been, has been very well received so far. Oh, that's great. Now, let me ask you a couple of questions. Now, I don't know if you, have you heard me do any of these? Have you heard? Yeah, just, just one. Mm-hmm. Just one. Okay. So, you know, I, I, and as a, as a New Yorker, you'll value that straight shooting that I do. And I've got some questions because I'm hearing, I'll tell you what I hear in just a minute. Are you, are you from New York originally? Um, I was there for most of my life. Most of your about, life? Yeah, about age seven. So, yeah. Okay. All right. Do you have siblings? I do. Quite a few? I am the youngest of four. Okay. I knew you were the youngest. All right. That's, <laughs> that's part of this. That's part of your psychology of the boy's story. And I'll tell you what I hear in just a minute. Okay. Let me, let me ask, what was the other question I wanted to ask? Oh, I wanted you to tell, we, we chatted briefly before we got on. Now, as you guys know, I don't know any of these people that are coming on the show. I literally post in a podcast group that I'm in and the interested people reach out to me. I'm so honored that they do and thrilled that they do. But I've never met this woman before <laughs> until five minutes before we started. But she told me something very interesting. She asked me a question, told me something very interesting before we started. And I'd like you to kind of rephrase that or or not rephrase it, but recap that, what you mentioned, because it's very linked with where I'm going to go. Sure. So I'll say uh, the question I asked you was about this perception and feedback that I get from lots of people who hear my podcast or listen to my videos, anything I put out, They'll say, wow, you're, you have such a soothing voice. You're so um, sweet, relaxing. Um, people tell me that they feel like they can trust me, that, that they feel safe and calm, those kinds of things. And sometimes I feel like I want to project this authority and competence and I'm coming in with this expertise and this knowledge that I want to impart. And yes, of course, part of it is being 
compassionate. That's like, you know, a big part of what I am trying to put out. But at the same time, I don't really want the first thing. Oh, you have a soothing voice. You should yeah. tell children's stories. Yes, I, yeah. I tell children's <laughs> stories too. That's not what I'm trying to do here. Mm-hmm. Well, let me ask you another question. I think that's fascinating. It's very linked with what I'm going to say about what I hear. Do you? And somebody asked me this the other day, and I thought it was a really interesting question. And you are, in a way, like a teacher, right? I mean, you're an audiologist and you're a professional, but you work with children. So do you ever feel like you were, you were trained or you believed that you were supposed to alter your voice in a way to talk to children, to relate to children? Um, I will tell you about audiologist voice, which is definitely a thing and something we practice and work on in graduate school because you're always dealing with people who have various degrees of hearing loss. So we learn projecting to overcome hearing loss. We have our, you know, throughout the day, you'll see patients with with all different makeups. So you'll you'll have to be really projecting and speaking clearly and enunciating for your hearing aid patients who are elderly, and then switch gears to having to play a game with a child to get them to, to do the testing. And then you have to test an infant. So you're talking to a new, a new mom and then like, that's a whole dynamic. So Mm -hmm. in the day of the audiologist, there's definitely those modulations that are very, um, deliberate. Yeah. So yeah, I do. I do think that's part of it. Yeah. I think that's part of it. It's kind of like lawyer voice. Anytime a lawyer, I know I'm going to work with a lawyer. (laughs) I already know what I'm going to work with. And, and I literally, we've had, I've had conversations with them. It's like something that happens in law school that they train them a certain way to fight cases a certain way, you know, and it, mm-hmm. there are certain patterns. So I don't know that I've talked about this much. I don't know that, I, I don't think I've mentioned this with anybody I've worked with, but I don't even know if I've done a show on, are you speaking in your real voice? But I think what's happening You've got a lot of good things happening, okay? There's a lot of good things in your voice. There's a lot of solid things in your voice. But audiologist voice, if that's what it is, is almost putting on masks that is keeping me from knowing, not even from knowing who you really are, but from me knowing your true power. And I'm going to work through a couple of things before I have my answers solidified. But I, and, and what I said to her before we started, I said, I feel like with regards to what she just said, that you're in this position where you've kind of got an either or. Either I'm nice or I'm powerful. I, there's kind of this either or thing. And as you were talking, I was hearing you drop down into your real voice, which is not the nicer voice. It's a nice voice and it's still very soothing, which I said to her before we started, I said, your tonal makeup, you're not going to have a rough gravelly voice. You're not going to have a boss lady voice. You can have an absolutely powerful, confident voice, but you're not going to sound like Demi Moore. You're not even going to sound like me because I have a real gravelly (laughs) voice, right? Mm -hmm. So there's more power that you're you're not standing in and you can have that power and have that gentleness as well, because that's what the tonal makeup of your voice is. Now, a couple of things. Do you ever feel like, and this is a really extreme vulnerability question. 
do you ever feel like you're holding back on your power out of insecurity that maybe you shouldn't be that powerful? Yes. <laughs> um, I, th- I should tell you that I did watch the Brene Brown vulnerability Netflix special just oh. today. Everyone's been talking about it. Yeah. It's extremely I powerful. Seen it yet. Yeah. Yeah. So all about, you know, vulnerability being the core of everything that's worth it in life, like joy and belonging and, and power and courage. Yeah. So definitely, I think that's part of everybody's okay. struggle in this world at this point in time, but I definitely struggle with that. Yeah. Yeah. That's what, that's what, there's a block in your voice. I Mm -hmm. literally hear it's like bulletproof glass. It's literally like a gate comes down and you are not allowing yourself to go there. That's why I ask you about the siblings. It's very common when I have somebody who is the youngest of however many that they're more how do I want to put this? Do you guys remember I talk about Bill? Remember Bill from New York that had the six older sisters and he wouldn't let his voice out because he was like this? You're not like that, but there's this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, it's a sibling thing. Okay. But there's an insecurity that I hear that is, she's closing her eyes and no. shaking I don't know if I should have said that. No, no, no. I'm listening. I'm actually really taking this in. And also there's like layers of of all this, like finding your voice and speaking your truth. Yeah. That's like hashtag therapy. Yes. Oh yeah. You're just like touching all the real stuff. So yeah. yeah. Well, (laughs) and that's why psychology of the voice is different than any other kind of voice work because I'm going to get, I'm going to technique in a minute, but I want to know what those drivers are because if we don't address the drivers, if we don't even recognize the drivers, then my exterior work's not going to stick. So it's an insecurity about, you know, I don't want to speculate, but it's probably something that I see with a lot of the younger people that I work with. You know, and I don't know how old you are, but I get from a lot of a lot of my people, well, Tracy, how can I step into that power when I'm in the same room with people who've been doing this for 40 years? Yeah. Yeah. I'm 27. Oh, okay. And yep, I finished my doctorate two and a half years ago. And even when I when you asked me how you should introduce me, I'm like, well, I have this title. Like Yeah. Yeah. I worked four years for it. And yeah. I'm like, yes, I am Dr. Saberstein, but it's it's still like hard to put that out yeah. and say, yes, yes, that's who I am. And so like when I first started the podcast, I I deliberately, you know, was saying that's how I'm gonna introduce myself. That's that's the name I'm using. Um, for the for the expertise and the gravitas of the um, of the show to give it you know the weight that I want it to have, but it was hard and it is hard every time. Yeah, and so. and and that's the that's you know that's the next question, and we don't have to dive into it today. But that's that next question is what is the fear of being you know owning that confidence and that power. And it comes from something in your story. You know, it's like I talk about in psychology of the voice before we're five, somebody said one phrase to us and that was the catalyst of all of this. But that's a massive accomplishment to get a doctorate. Massive. That alone, girl, you should be like owning it all over town. That alone. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Okay. So this is about, so where I'm, where I'm going to work is I want to check in on real voice and I want to 
work with boldly owning it. And I want to work with, I'm going to work with fear a little bit because you are getting stuck in a higher pitch. I don't know if it's audiology voice or I need to dive in and work with that. You have a little bit of a lilt, a, a little bit of some, you know, about every fourth sentence at the end of the sentence, you're going up and it's not a question. And so there's that, there's some asking for permission and, and you, you're a doctor, you're a doctorate. We've got to get you owning this. We've got to get rid of that lilt. Do you feel like your sound is stuck in the back of your throat? I know that's a weird question, but do you, can you tell if you get, you can tell when it happens. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's like, okay, I'm talking a lot. I don't know where my next sentence is going. It's time to wrap it up. Like I, I, I can feel myself thinking that. Oh, okay. Like, you know, when I when I'm not quite sure what's the next thing I'm going to say, that's I think where when that comes up. Ah, oh, now, now I'm all now I'm all conscious of talking. Yeah. Right, yeah, and don't be because none <laughs> of this is bad. You have a beautiful yeah. sound to your voice, beautiful. I mean, uh, you know, none of this is bad. It's all about next level, and it's mm-hmm. all about more freedom, in my opinion. Like, so that's all right. I think you're disconnected from your breath. Do you find that you take in a breath and then you talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and you're then you run out of air completely? Yes. Yeah. Okay. That could that may be where I go because that's going to help me with this pitch issue. That is also causing you to go a little fast at times. Either that or that you lived in New York forever. Mm. You know, that's a faster cadence. I don't know. But what I pick up is that you're, you're working without air. And so you're having to go fast to get to the, but you could also be wanting to get to the other side of it. I don't want to, I need to get this out there so I can get to the other side of it. So I can make sure, are you a perfectionist? Yes. Yeah. So I can make sure (laughs) I got it right. So I can make sure I got it right. And are you an introvert? That's a very interesting question. I really ask myself about this a lot. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of one of those like chameleons that oh, both. Yeah. yeah, I am too. And I'm, I, I never know which one is real. <laughs> right, right. I feel yeah. the same way. But, but a thinker, you're clearly Definitely. a thinker. Yeah. Oh, very overanalyzer. Right overanalyzing, <laughs> yeah. And so you get up there and then you I have a feeling you get up there trying to get the words right and then you start questioning yourself. Mm-hmm. And that questioning is what's causing that pitch problem. And to just add more layers on this psychology issue, (laughs) um, one of my biggest fears and like one of the very difficult interactions I had with a professor was Mm. that she had called me that I was arrogant, that I had overstepped, you know, and it was this whole like breakdown that I had because here I was so insecure trying, like grabbing a straws to make myself like look, you know, non-imposter syndrome and do all this, all the things that I was doing. Also, I had a bait to bait a baby and then a second baby in grad school. Like I had a lot going on and I was trying to keep it all together. And then like the feedback she gave me was that I was like overstepping that I'd go, whatever, not the details, but that she had called me arrogant. And that was like the biggest stake to my heart because that's like the opposite of what's actually going on. And the oh, last yeah. thing I think is that I'm like above people. Meanwhile, I'm like having inferiority all day long. Yeah. So that was quite ironic and painful. Thank you for sharing that because that is yeah. huge. 
That alone could wreck everything in regards to your voice. And that could literally be the driver of, I got to get this right. I've got to make sure this is right because I do not want to be perceived as arrogant. And But you know what's really interesting about that is that arrogant tone, which I don't think I don't think you have an arrogant tone. I think you could possibly. I don't know, but I think it, I mean, everybody can, right? But what's interesting is sometimes we get an arrogant tone out of insecurity. Sure. It's like the pendulum swings one way or the other. It either swings mm-hmm. to let me, you know, which I talk about all the time, like my brother is Mr. Let me prove how great I am <laughs> or let me say nothing you know, and it's, and it's all driven by insecurity, but see, that is the kind of stuff that makes me a crazy woman that that professor said that to you, because I know the damage that caused. And also because it 100% er, like touched the nerve of an existing, uh, you know, pattern, I guess. Yeah. Well, it's just wrong on every level. Like she's not the first person to have said that to me, which is why it was so much more difficult. Yeah. So other people have said that you're arrogant. I've always had that struggle of being like an overachiever, um, excelling in school and, you know, just being Mm. really a good kid all throughout my life. And then being very wary to be humble and being like afraid that I'm being getting too much attention too many people looking at me. So I've always played that game. Yeah. But there's a great frustration in you. Yes, there is. (laughs) Yeah, I hear it. And that frustration is what is being perceived as arrogant. Mm -hmm. And that frustration is with yourself. I think. Indeed. I I agree. Yeah. So what we need to do is we need to turn this into confidence Owning confidence, I'm just kind of talking out loud, trying to decide where I'm going to go. Are you defensive? Are you a defensive person? After, after, like, I would be defensive after the teacher told me I was sounded arrogant. I'd be really defensive. Um, I don't think that's the first coping, like, the, what, okay. what happens when that, ha- like, uh, more that it breaks me. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that I'm very, like, uh, sensitive. I've been told that many times. Yeah. You might even be an empath if you're an audiologist. Are you an empath? 100%. Yeah. But somebody, yeah, (laughs) yeah. Anybody, like I'm an voice intuitive. I'm so empathetic. You can't even look at me. You know, I crumble. Right. So, and I would imagine that your field is full of empaths. If I had to guess the ability to have that kind of sensitive hearing. I don't know. I'm guessing. I don't know. I've never worked with an audiologist that I can remember. Okay. So let me unpack this just for a minute out loud in my mind. I know I need to work with confidence and real voice, get you out of that higher pitch. Uh, So I might do, okay. What I'm going to have you do, I'm going to pick, we're going to pick some content for you to work with. And it doesn't have to be repeated exactly the same every time, but I I want you to think of something and I want it to be work related. I want it to be about something you can think of that you can teach me or tell me or talk to me about. If I need to like be a pretend patient, you know, I don't know, but I want work speak to come Mm -hmm. out of your mouth for just a couple of minutes. 
Can you think of anything you could talk about? And yeah, okay. Sure, sure. Yeah, I have that prepared. I, I heard you did that on the oh. other one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's actually the, the upcoming episode, and it's all about myths about the cochlear implant, myths and uh, what the truth is. Okay. What the actual realistic expectations need to be. Okay. So. All right. What's going on in your head right now? I'm just opening the tab. Okay. <laughs> I'm getting ready. Okay. Yeah. Because you, you know, like, okay. Mm-hmm. Well, because I can already hear, or what I think I hear, well, maybe I sh- I'm not even going to say it. Do the bit, and then I'll tell you what I think I heard. Okay. So, well, one of the things about cochlear implants is that many people know about them from these little viral videos that go all around Facebook where you see this adorable baby or very sweet child and they have their ears turned on and you, you, you see like this little scene in an in a office. You might not know what an audiologist is, but you're seeing this, you know, it's got inspirational music and then the kid's eyes light up when mommy says, mommy, look at me and I love you. And maybe like the kid, if it's an older kid, they like smile and giggle or something like that. And those, if you've seen any of these videos, like people really react to them and are like, wow, cochlear implants are this giant miracle, bionic ears. Like those are the, the words that are going out in the media. But what's actually true about the cochlear implant is that it's a very complicated and complex and intense process and journey. It's a, it's a surgery. So that's like a major a major risk and investment that people take. It's not like an easy decision. And getting it turned on, those videos, when, when it's the first time that it's turned on, maybe one in 25 is one of those cases where the person has an immediate positive reaction. But the other 24 times, they might not like it at all. Some babies start to cry. Some, some children want to rip it off and, and hate it. Or they have no reaction, which is also scary. Like, is it working? Um, there could be device failure. There's all these things that could happen. And obviously those videos, nobody is seeing. And those are very painful moments. And the expectations that people come in with, if that's what their exposure to cochlear implants is, is that you know they're not having the realistic outcome. And it's very unfortunate that that's like the only thing the public can see. Um, and I one of the things I do with the podcast is really try to educate on what the whole procedure is about and bring on guests who are talking about their experiences, um, adults who are implanted as children, and they can tell us how it was for them, parents who are talking about going through it with their kids, um, to bring more education and awareness about the cochlear implant being absolutely a miracle of modern medicine, but not this instant, you know, magic wand a device that's helpful, that needs a lot, a lot of therapy and rehabilitation and years of appointments to, uh, to make an impact. And yeah, okay, that's, that's great. one of the major myths. <laughs> that's great. That's, well, that's, you know, that's social, that drives me nuts. You know, we put out the snippet of yeah. reality, not the full reality. All right. Let me ask you this. Are you a hand talker? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Are you are you on a phone? Are you holding a phone? Yes, I'm holding a phone. Okay. You're ungrounded. Your voice is trying to come out anywhere but your mouth. Hmm. And I can What's tell that, that 
that, well, it's, it's, it's something the subconscious put in the, and every, you know, really everything that I am telling everybody that comes on these shows, you're probably doing it right. Because subconscious is protected everybody. That's Mm -hmm. the, that's the freaking goal. All right. So just like I talk about sounds being stuck, people that are really up in their head trying to get things right are almost always ungrounded. They're not connected to their message. But what I'm seeing her do is I'm seeing a lot of head movement. And what that tells me, and I, one of her hands was moving. I thought she was holding a phone. I know you guys can't see her. But the, the sound, when it comes straight out of the mouth... That is the utmost place. And here I go again, doctor. I know you're not going to like this. Here, it's the utmost place of vulnerability. And so the subconscious says, let's channel that elsewhere. Let's get it stuck in the throat, in the jaw, in the nasal cavity. Let's pull it back down or let's add in a whole lot of movement. So if we can run that, so subconscious believes if it can run that sound out through your hands or your head or whatever, people aren't going to hear you. And so I think you are ungrounded. And I'm going to try something with that. I don't know if it's going to work because you've got your one hand on your phone. I may actually have you put that down. Yeah, I can put it down. Yeah, we might, we might play with that. I heard in this that, okay, so let me see where I need to go. If I do, un, if I do grounding and... All right, so I heard from the start that you were already questioning or thinking about whether I was buying in. Now, I don't know if that's true, but that was true at some point in your life and it's written in your voice. It might not be true anymore, but we got to get it out of your voice. Does that make sense? Yes. All right. Where I want to go, I want to test something first and then I'm going to give you some directions and I'm going to have you do it again. What, what are you sitting on? Looks like you're sitting on a window seat, maybe. Are you on a chair? A couch couch near the window. Okay. Mm -hmm. That might be too soft. But let's let's move to a chair. Listen, I'm motivated. I am motivated. (laughs) I love it. I love it. (laughs) She's doing great, isn't she? Okay. Here we go. Okay. So what, and this is going to be weird, but what I want you to do is I want you to take your hands, palms down, and I want you to sit on them. Oh. Right under, your, right under your butt bone, you'll have your hands, palms down. Okay. And are your feet on the ground? Yes. Okay. All right. Now, I'm not going to have you do the whole thing, but I want you to start that bit again. And I just want to hear what happens. Okay. I'm trying not to move my head. <laughs> All right. Many, many of us have heard of cochlear implants just from those viral videos that we see on Facebook or on YouTube, where you see this very sweet, adorable little baby or toddler have their device turned on or activated for the first time. And what we see is this very sweet reaction. They're in an office with an audiologist sitting on their parent's lap. And when that sound comes on, they, they light up, their eyes open wide. If they're old enough, you might see them really smile and giggle, look back at mommy or daddy or whoever is filming. And they really have that like, beautiful and magical moment where they're here for the first time. Okay, I'm going to stop you right there. Does that feel different to you? 
uh, yeah, it feels kind of forced. Okay. I don't it's, know if that's just... Well, I, th- I think there's an uncomfortableness about it for you. That's what I think it is. I think like a, yeah, no, I don't like it at all. Yeah. yeah, you don't like it at all. Like I can see the look on her face is like her subconscious is flipping out. Like <laughs> click off of this woman now. Um, that didn't really get me what I wanted because it's Mm-mm. in your head. If I was there with you, I would take my hands and put them <laughs> on your head and I would hold it completely still and the sound that would come out of your mouth would blow your mind. So what I might suggest to you, we can't do it right now, but I've done this. I do this all the time with people live when they're ungrounded. I thought the hands on, uh, uh, sitting on the hands would work. That's not a technique that works for her, which is why I always say to you guys, just because I do it on the show does not mean it's going to work for you. Every, I, I don't believe in one size fits all. You know, this is her story. She may be working on the same thing you're working on. Her story may be different. Her And what that put in the muscle memory is different. So, I mean, you can try these things, but I, I just don't know because I haven't heard your voice. So that didn't work, but I would guarantee you if you had your, your husband or a friend or somebody you know and know, like, and trust in your life, Hold, hold your head still and you speak this same thing, I think it would literally blow your mind. Because what it will do, what I was trying to do was force your sound straight out of the pipeline. And, and we got there a little bit, but not enough for me to say that's what we need to do moving forward because that would be a waste of time. Now, if you have somebody hold your head still and you speak, and it feels like your sound is literally roaring out of your mouth, and then we know we're on to something then. Mm. Okay. But I'm going to go to something else because I didn't really get what I wanted on that. What do you want me to feel when you talk about that story? I want you to feel more empowered, more educated, to feel that you, um, you have insider knowledge, that by listening to me talk about this, you are more prepared, you know, whether or not this is something you're dealing with, that you have some knowledge about this topic now. And when you see those videos, you'll say, oh, actually, I know the story behind this. There's more, more to this than what I see. Okay. Right there is your real voice. That was more confident and more owning than I've heard you do so far. Now, did that feel different to you? Yeah. Okay. What, because, what? Be, because it wasn't about me. Oh. It was about what the other person needs and okay. empathy. Yes. Yes. Okay. So what do you feel about what you're saying? about this cochlear implant and we only get one side of the story. What do you feel about that? Specifically on this topic, no, this is a big, big question. Specifically on this issue, I feel that I, that I had a gap in my education about this and that I had to do the work about, you know, even though I went to grad school, even though I have a doctorate in this field, I still am learning. Of course I am forever. But, you know, there was a specific like series of experiences in my first job that were contrary to everything I had done in grad school 
And that's how I felt no one, how even I, of such a person who had gone through this level of education, still had gotten so much of it wrong or missing, lacking. So I resonate with that. And I want to like stop that cycle right now. Yeah. Okay. So you want us to feel like you're the expert is what I got out of that, which is great, which you may not like that may make you squirm when I even say that you're an expert. I don't know. But, and then you want to reveal the, the passion and the frustration and the unbelievability about what is going on. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm going to have you do it again. And well, let me, let me go one more step. You think, were you thinking about the words when you, what were you thinking about when you presented it to me? Can you even remember? I should have asked you right when you were done. Which time? Just this now? last time. No, well, not right here, but the main, the first time. Do you, do you remember what you were thinking about? I was thinking of not missing any of the details. Okay. I was thinking of trying to paint the picture and get it from all the different angles. Okay. You're trying to get it right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we got to get you out of your head and into your message. Your message is in your heart. A message is, I want them to know X, Y, Z. Like my message with you today, I have no idea what I'm saying right here, you know, because I'm just kind of going with where we're going. But my message, if there was a message in all of it was, I need her to know that she, it is truly safe for her to step into her voice power. So with that, like sum it up in one sentence. I need them to know. I want them to know. I have to let them know there's misinformation. And it could be as simple as there's misinformation. What would the message of this be? The next time you see one of these videos, I want you to know that there's a lot of pain and frustration and difficult decisions that have gone on behind the scenes of this short clip. And that if you see a child with a cochlear implant or have any interaction with a child who is deaf or hard of hearing or any child who has any communication challenges that you should go to those parents and give them a bouquet of flowers (laughs) and just know that they are doing amazing things for their child and that it's a difficult and complex and amazing journey. Okay, you like those words. You are definitely a doctor. (laughs) PhDs love those words, right? Complex journeys, yeah. Yes, yes, (laughs) which is great. But I'm going to bottom line that into, I want you to know everything is not what it seems to be. Yep. Okay. Now, I'm going to have you do it again. And I'm going to have you do, well, let me do, let me do one more thing. Cause I'm going to give you three things to do now. I just want to hold my own head. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. If I listen, if I was there, if you were, if you know, if I could get to you fast enough, I'd get, come on over. All right. I want you to, what does it mean to you when I say, speak it as if it's fact, what do you know that is just a fact that there is no way I can argue with you? What it's something simple. Like your headphones are white. What is something you can say to me that is, you can own it. It's a fact. It's just, it's just a truth. Like you have two children. I don't know how many children you have, but I think you have, do you have two? Or do you have more? I, than I have three. Three now. Okay. Yep. Cause you said two earlier. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. So what is something that you can say 
move away from the cochlear thing for a minute. What is something that you can say that you just, it's just a fact. Like it's just a my, fact I'm in LA. Purple is my favorite color. Boom. Oh my gosh. That was so good. <laughs> did you feel how, did you feel how different that was? Mm-hmm. The tonal quality completely It was like the, the, the up and down was, was gone. <clears throat> yeah. There it is again. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, and it was there when you were talking about the message it was, you were doing kind of what I'm asking you to do right now, which is say it as if it's fact, whether you, I mean, don't think about, do you find yourself thinking about what I'm going to be thinking about or not? Because there's always two sides and there's different experiences and everything's controversial. And (laughs) Right. So there's a lot of foreshadowing in your voice. That's actually, I think what's creating the, the quieter, nice girl. I don't, I think there's going to be pushback. So let me be careful. So you're foreshadowing outcomes that you do not want. So you might be getting them, right? Because that's what the way vocal foreshadowing works is that it's like, I, I use this example all the time. If somebody de- has to deal with somebody who's reactionary, like they work with somebody who's reactionary, every time they go in to deal with that person, they're really careful. And so the caution is heard in that person's voice. And so, of course, they give them exactly what they don't want. So that's what's the driver on that. But let's just for a moment believe that you are an expert with a PhD. You're way smarter than me, right? You're way more educated than me. You are not swinging to arrogance. She was wrong. So I need you to release that fear. And I'm, because I'm going to tell you the second you start sounding arrogant. And you know we're close, friend. You're not even in the arrogant neighborhood. Okay? Because when you reveal how you feel, the thing you've avoided the most, when you reveal how you feel and say it as if it's fact, you still sound nice, but you sound like the expert that you are. So I want you to go back to the cochlear and I don't want you to rush through it. I want you to, I want you to, I don't know. I was thinking of a food analogy, you know, like marinate a steak. You know, you marinate a steak or a Thanksgiving turkey or whatever. You know, I want you to marinate on that. And I want you to really reveal how you feel about it. And, and that, could, that could change. There could be irritation and frustration and passion and indifference. And I mean, it could be a whole journey, which is the point. Remember the voice journey that I talk about? Everything that you feel, I want you to focus on that. And the message, and speak it as if it's fact. You know what really grinds my gears is these videos on Facebook, okay? What you're seeing is this small snippet of one interaction out of a whole journey that's like two years long. So what happens is these parents, they have a diagnosis for their new baby, their new perfect baby that they are so excited about, that they love with their whole heart. And then they hear from a professional, there's something wrong with them. And here's what we're going to do to fix them. That messaging, that medical model of your child is broken because they're deaf 
and here's a medical solution. It's a miracle, actually, a cochlear implant. Those parents only hear that narrative. And then that whole story is exemplified with these videos that you see that are activation and the child's magical ears are turned on for the first time. It's, it's amazing. And it's like emotional. And they put on this inspirational music and their sweet eyes light up. And it is beautiful. And those implants really do make a difference. But there's another side to the story and all of this beneath what you're seeing that I really want you to know about and is the reason that you're listening to this episode where we're going to be busting a bunch of myths about the cochlear implant and getting more of the real story. All right. Did that feel different? (laughs) Yes, it felt very different. And also towards the end there, it was like, I could never actually do this because then I'm ostracizing half my audience or, you know, the people who are on that side of the argument. Like, because I can play it both ways. You know, I hear their side. I, I understand. <laughs> but, but this is how I feel. So I should just say it. <laughs> yeah. 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 You know, I think I was about your age when I was acting like all the other voice coaches knowing that I had this incredible gift as an intuitive and this whole psychology of the voice thing, knowing I could do all of this, but I wanted to fit in. And I wasn't a hundred percent serving my audience. Mm. Right. And there's, that's your leap and then that will appear is that because, because, you know, well, this is, this is you being in the future. And and this is where I say to my people, did you ask them? And they say, well, no, then you don't know. Right. I mean, and, uh, I, I think- And the truth is, I wouldn't, I'm sorry. No, I think you maybe do. So I don't want to insinuate that you don't know, but I don't want you to be in fear either. I don't want you to be in future either. Right. What I'm thinking is that even if that's true, that I would ostracize people who- are on that side of, of, you know, of the medical model and the debate on that side, then actually that would be okay. Like they're not my people. That's so right. it's okay if people disagree with me. That's right. And not be a people pleaser all the time. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I think people pleaser is innate in all of us. And I think mm-hmm. that especially women, people pleasing, yeah. I see it. But I know this much I know when I walked away and I said, I'm never doing voice work again. And I started refinishing furniture in my tiny studio apartment in New York City. When I woke up one day and said, what are you doing? You, you, you know, God gave you a purpose and you sand and furniture. I mean, that looks good and everything, but get back on, in the game and do it the way you were put here to do it. And what I discovered is that, yeah, some people think I'm crazy. Some people think I'm out of my mind, but I don't look at that. I look at the people who I've positively impacted. Yeah. It's my podcast and I'm going to say whatever I want. (laughs) Yeah. There you go. That's what I want to hear. That's what Mm -hmm. I want to hear because if nothing else today, I can get you to stand in and own who who you are. You, You know, I say this to everybody I work with, you are special and unique and worthy and fabulous just because you are. I couldn't make it as a voice coach. Well, I did okay, but I couldn't make it doing it like the other guys. 
because that's not what I was put here to do. Mm -hmm. You know, and there's something unique about your take. And yeah, you know, I was the same way. I was trying to serve the world. And then when I realized, hold on a minute, that won't work. I'll never even get a bathroom break. If I have to train the whole world, everybody's not my people. And sometimes those people that aren't my people stumble across my feed and leave the horrible comment. And you know what I do? I feel empathy for them. And that is all. That's very generous of you. Because it's not about me. Yeah. I got I'm on a mission. You know, I'm on a mission. And I think you are too. So yeah, it's your podcast. And here's the thing. You know, the methodology, the concept may be alienating. I don't know because I'm not in your world, but the way you present it isn't. I've got 10 times more tone with the way I put stuff out in my show than you did (laughs) right then. I mean, I probably do ruffle feathers, Mm -hmm. you know? But did that feel more powerful to you? Yeah. More confident? it did. More fun too. Yeah, way more fun. Like the first time I was having to really focus on what you were saying because you weren't touching my emotions. You were you were talking words at me. And I think that's a defense mechanism of yours is let me talk at them and not let them in. If I if I get it, you know, you're very busy getting it right. All my people are very busy getting it right. I talk at them. I've got the data. Here's the data. Data keeps me safe. Data doesn't make me feel. So I want you to take that data and I want you to tap into what you feel because like you're not even going to be as overdramatic as me, right? It may have felt crazy and weird, but it was very engaging. Mm. I felt like you cared about me. That's what I processed subconsciously that time was that you care about something Data doesn't make me feel like you care. Data is good information. What, what, what jazzes me is that I know you care about me. That's when I can connect with you. That's when I'm going to subscribe to your podcast. That's when I'm going to want to work with you. And it was a subtle shift. I mean, you know, I never know when these people come on the show, I never know what I'm going to have to do. I never know what I'm going to get. But I knew from the minute that I heard her voice before we started, she wasn't in bad shape. You know, not that anybody's ever really in bad shape, but sometimes there's sounds that are stuck or there's a a lot of masks or patterning or this, that, or the other. This is all about, this is all about the drivers in you. This is all about the college professor. This is all about the siblings. This is all about somewhere along the way you believed that you couldn't put it out there right. And as somebody who's been doing coaching voices longer than you've been alive, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm going to tell you that's not true. Those are stories. So how do we move those stories? How do we make new stories? We got to get proof. You got to get proof and you got to get it fast. And proof comes in, when I work with people, I try to get them proof in the first week because you're working off of old proof. And and that's that old proof is driving old bad habits is what I call them, bad voice habits. And so you're putting things out and it's not that everybody's thinking you're sucking, 
You know, it's, I mean, you even said the show is doing well. This is about next level. This isn't about you're a failure. Let's get your life on track. It's not like that at all. My people are insane successful, right? So it's about putting a different product out and getting some different responses back. Even if that response is, I feel really good about that. Because I think you know the difference between like you knew the difference when you were, you know, when you're getting in that high pitch, you know, do you know the difference in when you're kind of putting it out there carefully versus what you just did? Is that a difference that you can tell? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the proof might simply be that you were able to reveal how you feel and boldly own it and act as if it's true. But what we really want is the outside world's response. Now, that could come in the form of listener feedback. I don't think you said you're working right now. Or yeah, not yet. Not yet. Okay. Mm-hmm. Friends, family, I mean, they're, they're tougher out in the world, at the market, at you know, when you have to get in an Uber or I I don't know how things are over there where you are, but everywhere you go, starting to, and I mean, it gets tricky because how do you reveal how you feel about squash? You know, I mean, that's (laughs) kind of like, okay, that's kind of dumb, Tracy. But, you know, starting to, getting you tapped into that message where the feeling is and revealing everything that way is getting you out of your head, right? And by revealing your message and how you feel about it, you're going to start having vocal variety. Every place you can think of in the world that you can speak to people that way, do it. And start observing how they respond back. That is how you're going to get proof. But it's literally just a matter of doing it different. So I'm thinking of that um, at the end of every episode, I ask for comments, comment, you know, DM me on Instagram, join the Facebook group. And I can already see how I can say that totally different because yes. you're not doing it for me. Like don't come to, because I need your likes because I really want to know what you think about this. There you go. As my listener. Yeah. There you and go. I can say that very differently. Very different. And that's exactly how it works. Some people, they get different reactions from bosses and coworkers. Some people, their numbers increase. Some people, their sales increase. You know, some people, like literally the tiniest shift. I remember when I started telling stories about my life on my show, my numbers doubled because I never talked about stories about my life, especially about the horrors of it, right? But it's, but it was in those stories that I even vocally revealed on a deeper level how I felt. And that is what is c- compels people to take action, right? I was so much more drawn to you when I know how you feel. So how did you, how did you get past the fear when you were char- sharing those stories? Let me think back. I'm thinking especially yeah. about the one, I don't really have any fear anymore because I have a deep understanding of fear of judgment and I don't do fear of judgment anymore. So when I learned that judgment was absolutely not about me, 
then I could release that judgment. And I just, I mean, I'm just, everybody knows me. I'm just a straight shooter, you know, and, and Mm -hmm. people that are offended by me, they're not my people. My people love me and they love that I shoot straight. Right. So fear, getting past the fear of judgment was a big understanding that judgment is not real was a big part of it. I mean, it's real, but it is not about me. They judged Elvis. Elvis was judged. <laughs> right. It's irrelevant. I think. It's, I mean, you know, but when I shifted, I remember I told the story about when I was beat up and how that affected, that's what started the whole thing. And, and my numbers doubled. And I think all I did was started telling a story that what do I have to lose? Because it's only the stories that we tell ourselves that keep us locked. Oh, they're going to think I'm the thing. You know, what about what those the the people that disagree with me? They're going to get upset. You know, I'm being very controversial. You know, that's a story. Those are stories. We tell stories from the way we were raised our whole life, and until we rewrite those stories, we're trapped. Mm-hmm. So it it's literally just simply about leaping and the net will appear. And I think you do have to get to a place of that. You know, I think it's one thing for me to sit here and say, just do it, you know, <laughs> but I, and that, because that's not always realistic, but I think for me, it was even before I started telling the story about, well, let me tell you why I didn't tell stories about myself. Because I thought, and this was always my hang up. I always thought, don't tell that story because they're going to think, why would I hire a voice coach that let herself get beat up? She doesn't even know how to use her voice. That was a story that I kept telling myself. And when I rewrote that story and realized, hold on a minute, I've done this 28 years. And that story actually was the catalyst of the whole thing. And it made me who I am. That wasn't going to prevent me from somebody from hiring me. If anything, it was going to make me more relatable. Mm -hmm. And it did because everybody I work with has stories like mine. You know, maybe they weren't beat up, but they have stories. So it's, it's really in just rewriting the story. And then I flipped it into what I call the inner game, which is very powerful in the voice work that I do. And I give this to a lot of people, the inner game of, and it's especially good if you feel like you need to prove, turn that on yourself. I need to prove that by revealing who I really am is going to increase my numbers. I'm going to play this game. I'm winning. I'm winning. And that's what I feel I, energized. Yeah, that's what I have people all <laughs> over the world doing. It's an, becomes an inner game of, you know, just own it like it's fact. I'm not worried. I'm not worried about. I'm not going to be a jerk, but I just own this. I'm just going to have a conversation with you because I'm not going to be all off down there wondering if you're judging me. Yeah, I've noticed another pattern from from because I'm doing my own editing, so ah. I can I'm really overanalyzing yeah. right oh, there. Oh, I'm right? sure. <laughs> so I've noticed that when I have an interview and I have a guest and then I, I will ask them a question and it will take me a few false starts to get the question the way I want to say it. And even then I'll say, did you feel like this? Or maybe did you feel like that? Or what was your experience with that? Like, I don't want to interject what I think or what I'm trying to get from them. But uh, what's your advice for interviewing um, without 
you know, just taking yourself out of the question, but asking a compelling question. See, I'm doing it now. <laughs> yeah, trying to get it right. Mm -hmm. You stop all that and you reveal who you are. And just say, well, I want to know your opinion sure. and that's it. Like, so yeah. what do you think? And that's it. Yeah, that's yeah. it. It's almost mind-bogglingly simple. But mm -hmm. all that getting the words right, th that's never going to get you anywhere. Well, then you can edit it, see? <laughs> yeah, well, right, right. What would you, you, you ask the question, the litmus test of, of next level success here is, what would I say? What do I want to say? What is my show? Right. Just ask the question and that's it. Yeah. And, you, and you'll get a better answer. Of course. What you're saying. Mm -hmm. And you're going to get a better sound because just by, of course, like, by yeah. me saying, well, what do you think about this? Because I think it's kind of crazy. You know, I'm revealing who I am. But when I start panicking about what you're going to, oh, I don't. Okay. So if I have a hesitation about offending you, I'm going to mm -hmm. go, Listen, I really want to ask you something. I, I hope this doesn't offend you, but I got to know, right? So you start saying what you need to say, which is, this may sound crazy, but I want to know. This may be offensive, but what I'd like to ask, do you see? Instead of dancing around trying to get it right. Uh, totally. So, you know. 100%. Who are you? Who are you? What do you want your show to feel like? Everybody knows me. I'm a straight shooter. Everybody that emails me that listens to my podcast, I love it when you said this. I love it when you smarted off like that. That was, you know, and I'm not, it's just who I am. I'm just a really straight shooter because I don't have time to play yeah. politics. Can I ask you one more question? Of course. <laughs> Another pattern I'm noticing is because uh, I've just started. I'm on episode 16. You know, I started three months ago. And I started bringing on guests so that they could be the expert or they could be the controversial person. And then I'm just the moderator and I'm just, you know, the host. Um, and I'm wondering how I can step into the power again, you know? Like, is that, is that a bad strategy or is that one way to go? Because like, then I, I'm not the one who said it. You know, I'm just the guest who said it. <laughs> well, the strategy is start deciding that you don't care what they think when you say it. That's mm -hmm. your first step. But now when you say step into the power, do you mean on those interviews that you like want to... Even, even that I would bring someone to interview. Like I could have done it plenty good myself as a solo. You know, oh, I could have yeah. presented the topic. But, you know, it's more interesting when it's a guest, but also the person is maybe more niche in that specific topic. So I'm bringing them in as a guest, but then it like lowers what I know because I'm asking them questions as if I don't know anything. Meanwhile, I know plenty, just maybe not that last expert. Piece, oh, you know? okay. 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 So I do that all the time because I'm not an expert in anything except for voice and maybe presentation skills because I've spoken on stages since I was 12 years old. One is if you if you're the expert, do the solo show and be the expert. Mm -hmm. And two, to be the expert when the guest is on, you give your opinion. 
like I'm doing a series. I've had her on the show once, but I'm having her back for a four show series. Susie Connerly's coming back on the show and and we're going to talk about communication. I know a lot about communication, a whole lot, right? Mm -hmm. But she does too. She's an expert in communication and relationship. So how that interview goes down is I ask her a question, she responds and I then talk about what I think. Gotcha. And then I ask her another question and she talks about it. I may grab a nugget on that and say, yeah, but you know what I think about that? I mean, I think people are just afraid of judgment. Right. And why I've been calling them conversations as opposed to interviews. So I see. Yeah. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. See, you're back to that either or. You're back to Mm -hmm. that either or. Either I can be the expert or I can't be the expert. Right, right, yeah. Right? (laughs) So here I'm handing you the invisible permission slip, Dr. Saperstein. (laughs) Dr. Saperstein, I want this right next to the PhD. Uh Uh-huh. Be the expert. Because here's the thing. And I learned a lot of this when I worked with that subconscious reprogrammer. He would ask a question. I, I got 28 years in this business. I think I'm justified in calling myself an expert, which that might sound arrogant, but good Lord, I better be at this point. But he would have the younger people in the group and they, they've had been in at a year or two and they would say, how can I be the expert? And he would say, you, do you get results for people? And they would say, yeah. And he said, you're an expert. Yep. All I have is more years on somebody that's been a voice coach for two years right. and my own unique methodology and, and the way that I do, right? But they can just as much be an expert voice coach as me, mm-hmm. without a doubt. And so what, the, so what the driver behind that is that you have to look at is why are you afraid of being successful? Who told you you couldn't be? Long stories. Yeah, right. So, yeah, right. Well, and life life tells that to a lot of people, Mm. especially women, but a lot of people, you know. And so, it really, in your case, in all of this, becomes about choice. You simply choose to do it different, you simply choose to tell a different story, you simply choose to speak it as if it's fact and reveal how you feel because those techniques fixed vocal, you know, fixed what I was hearing initially in your voice. I mean, given more time, is there more we could play around with? Sure. You know, but for this moment, the biggest issue is this getting it right and giving your power away. And so in order to to own your power, all you do is own your power. And you take that scary leap and you just use the technique of, I'm just going to say this like it's fact. And then you get a different response back or you feel so good about it that that's your different response. And it's almost like a high. You know, it's like, I can't wait to do that again. I've got people that I've worked with that couldn't do conflict to save their life. They're out there striking up conflicts. They like it so much (laughs) now, you know, Uh, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it, and it sounds like, well, it couldn't be just that simple and it's not, but it is. Do you think that following a script 
is also keeping me back. Yep. That, yeah, it should be more just from, from the heart, from the knowledge. Yeah, because you don't trust that the words are going to be there for you. That's why you go with the script. Right. And if you will learn to tap into the message, the words will be there for you because you are the expert. You're just telling yourself you're not. And that in order to get it right, you've got to have all the words just right. And I'm telling you, after probably seeing, you know, 900 people do the same thing, the words are always there for you. Never once have the words not been there for my people when I jerked them off that script. Never once. Mm. Now, you can do a little outline with a few words. I have to do a little outline on my show just because I'll just start telling stories now and I go get off on a crazy topic. You have a little outline but then you trust that the words are going to be there for you and you stop the story that says they're not. Absolutely. Right. All right. That's a lot. I threw a lot at you. Is your brain swimming? Um, I, feel, I feel empowered, actually. I feel Good. excited to, to come in to record my next episode with totally different energy. Yeah, totally different. Yeah. And, and record that episode and then let us know how it goes. Let me know how it goes, will you? I will. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for coming on. I'm glad this was helpful for you. And listeners, thank you. I'm going to wrap it up for today. But until I see you next time, you know what to do. Get out there and speak your truth. Just do it beautifully. Thanks for listening to Captivate the Room with Tracy Goodwin. You can reach out to her at CaptivateTheRoom.com and be sure to grab the voice formula a free video series that will help you start making a bigger impact with your voice today. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave a review on iTunes.